0: Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. USA nil, England nil at the World Cup. England has still never beaten the United States in the history of the World Cup, men's or women's. And we're going to talk about it with Chris Whittingham here in one second. Before we get going, you can subscribe to my writing site at grantwall.com. I'm in Qatar doing daily coverage of World Cup 2022. That's grantwall.com. Let's bring in Chris. How are you, my friend?
1: I hope that coverage includes more coverage on the U.S. for another week longer. <laughs> the U.S. taking a step towards that today, although the surprise result in the morning kind of changed the uh, the whole specter of how uh, today was going to play out. But yeah, I, I I was appreciative of the U.S. performance today, and and a lot to get stuck into.
0: Yeah, I mean the big news of the day, to be honest, when you think about just the impact on the group, is Iran beating Wales, which nobody was expecting necessarily that to happen that way. I do recall in our last podcast, we'd had the discussion of, are you assuming that Iran's going to get zero points in this group? And are you assuming that England is going to get nine? Because I wasn't so sure that either was going to happen. Uh, I was mainly thinking in terms of England not getting nine points, not Iran suddenly getting three, but that both those things happen uh, in terms of um, those teams defying expectations from before. And, uh, and now like what I do know is this, that the first U S reaction from the players, I was told when they were, they saw the Iran score was, this is huge. We control our own destiny now. And, uh, that also came up after tonight's game, uh, against England, where the U S knows they need to beat Iran to advance. If they do not beat Iran, they will not advance, and uh, there there is a lot to talk about here from this game against England. I guess one thing would be it felt a little bit – England's obviously better than Mexico. They're a candidate to win the World Cup, and I think we should remind everyone that again um, in looking at this performance and result from the US. But it was a little like the Azteca game in March that I know you were at, and – there was a disappointment from the US that they didn't get 3 points and that was somewhat the case tonight because the US had probably slightly better chances in this game to score goals and and didn't and that's frustrating to them because they have 2 points now and probably feel like they should have 4 or or who knows maybe even 6
1: yeah, I mean, they weren't that good of chances. I would say McKenney's is probably the only one where, you know, it, it's a tough technique to pull off, but just because he is open, because if he hits the target, it's going to be a goal, but... Polisic skimming the crossbar, and I would say, you know, ones that won't count on the xG chart are probably the the crosses that were dealt with, um, particularly from Polisic's corners. I I don't know if we talked about in this pod, but I know I've talked about uh, quite a bit how I have not enjoyed Polissyk's set pieces, Correct. and th- they were they were very good tonight. They were very good They're, tonight, They were particularly better. right. They were better, and I think they just came up against a very good England set piece defense. In particular, Harry Maguire, who we have to give credit, had a great game today. England. Full stop. There is no. Ah, well, he was struggling and had a decent. No, he was great tonight in in dealing with the U.S.'s chances. But I don't feel like at the end of that. Yes, the U.S. played well and they had opportunities to create, and it was better than I thought it was going to go. But it wasn't like, oh man, they were Germany the other night against Japan where they had three and a half xg and they only right. scored one goal. What a massive disappointment! It was similar to the Mexico game where you kind of got three pretty decent ones. Five or six others that could have materialized, but in the end it resulted in nothing. I, I don't want that to sort of allow to take from the performance, which is oh, on the overall, I thought this was an exceptional performance in the U.S. men's national team. Considering the opponent, considering the questions that we had about the U.S. going in, I think 135 of the 180 minutes that they've played at this World Cup so far has been above my expectations, considerably above my expectations, uh, including this draw today against England.
0: England scored six goals in its last game against Iran, no goals tonight against the US. And I really was impressed with how the US defensively neutralized some very talented players, uh, Jude Bellingham, Bukayo Saka, Raheem Sterling, Harry Kane. They didn't have a big impact on this game. And there was even a stretch in the second half where England couldn't get out of their own end for like 10, 12 minutes. And it was just corner kick after corner kick after corner kick for the US um, and and there was a defensive wrinkle that the US put in that we talked about with Greg Burhalter and some of the players like Tyler Adams after the game we didn't talk about it with Wes McKenney cuz he basically didn't feel like he could explain it <laughs> he is not, he is like so not tactically <laughs> like wanting to talk about stuff like that He's uh, like, it's funny. No, he's, he's been in Italy for a year saying.
1: and a half. I feel like he's Italy. been in Italy for a year and a half. Why, how, why couldn't he talk about tactics?
0: The <laughs> West and Italy, <laughs> I don't know if they're a great match, to be honest. But um, in any case, uh, basically, it came down to a 4 4 2 that the US was in defensively. And they asked Christian Pulisic to defend quite a bit more than he usually does uh, as a wide player in that four. And then Haji Wright and Tim Weah were up top, and were asked to do a lot of defending as well. So um, there was that wrinkle, which seemed to to neutralize uh, England a fair amount, or at least more than most people would have expected. And then from the attacking end, they moved west. The U.S. moved Weston McKinney out more, like more wide, wider. Um, yeah. which sort of was not something England was expecting. And basically the way Greg Berhalter explained it was uh, essentially had to force Luke Shaw to make a decision. Who do I want to defend? Do I want to defend Tim Weah? Do I want to defend Dest as he's going up? Do I want to potentially have to defend Weston McKinney? And that sort of overload caught England off guard. And I think there are some moments that were quite good for the US. So um, you look at this and this is certainly better than the performance we were seeing from the U.S. in the September friendlies. And they are friendlies. And that's, I guess, a good reminder. I went back and looked at the headline on my last premium story from those friendlies against Japan and Saudi Arabia, which are doing quite well here, by the way. And the headline was, uh, how does the the U.S. get its mojo back for the World Cup? Well, to a large extent, it has done so. Now – There's still a very, very big game that if the U.S. does not win, we will look at all of this in very different terms. And yet at the same time, I think most everyone would embrace the idea if you can't beat Iran, you don't deserve to be in the round of 16.
1: Agreed. And I'm kind of glad that we get to do these podcasts as sort of a time capsule of of the journey because you're right. Ultimately, in two, four, six years time. If the U.S. don't get out of the group, it'll be viewed as a failure and and the U.S. should have done more in the Wales game and presumably will have needed to have done more in the Iran game if they don't beat them uh, to get through. However, I I do want to grab this moment in time to say that I think Greg Berhalter has gotten a lot right so far at this yeah. World Cup, including, as you mentioned, that tactical change uh, because it allowed the U S to frustrate England's buildup. And that's exactly what it was designed to do. It was designed to make it difficult to get from back to front and Gareth Southgate specifically mentioned after the game, their athleticism made it very difficult to play through the first two lines of their defense. He specifically mentioned that. And that was different than the Wales game because I thought, the three-man midfield of McKenny Moose, and Adams had to cover the width of the field. Now, it's very difficult for them to do, albeit Wales play a little bit more of a narrow shape, so it was sort of easier. But I think Berhal, to recognized that stretched... And how much running McKenny Musa and Adams had to do as a result, and came up with a tweak. And fair play to Polistik for being up to it because he could absolutely be a superstar player and say, "No, I don't do that much defensive work." That you know, that's Tim Weah's job on the other side. Why does why doesn't he have to? He gets to play up top. I, I got to. He could have very easily done the ego thing and say, "I'm the man on this team. I don't do that." But he was up for the job. To be fair, Weah did his fair bit of defending as well. But I think Berhalter did so much right in this game to negate. England and I think p- part of the project of Greg Ber- Berhalter but also the project of talent development within U.S. soccer is okay we build a structure for the team to defend the U.S. has done that before albeit usually in a more deeper way in a more sort of traditional parking the bus bunkering way but this team had a sort of aggressive mentality about defending defending higher and then retreat over the course of the game. but also the the, the progress has been in well what happens when you get the ball back? And I think the U.S. on several occasions was able to get the ball and get it from back to front in the face of an England pressure, in the face of difficult circumstances along the way. Tim Ream taking players on one-on-one. Anthony Robinson taking players on one-on-one. Eunice Musa carrying and drifting through several defenders. Christian Pulisic carrying and drifting and receiving the ball in tight areas and managing to pass it. So the U.S. elevating in quality, combining with the tactics was able to get the best out of this team. And I don't think that there was sort of a better marriage between what this group of players can do and what they were set up to do than what we saw today. And that ultimately is very good management. And I hope that it's sort of in the record that even if Greg Berhalter doesn't get out of the group and is generally viewed as a failure, and I don't think is very popular with the U S fans, he did a very good job tonight. I think he has mostly done a very good job at this world cup.
0: No, I think tactically. I, here's the deal. Tactically, yes, I think Burhalter was was good in this game because England wasn't ready for this stuff either. And obviously, England scouts all their opponents. Um, and and yet, at the same time, I will say this: Burhalter has not handled subs very well in this tournament, okay. and did not and did not handle subs well tonight. Waited way too long, you know. And I realized that some of that was due to Brandon Aronson was going to come in um and I guess it was Shaq Moore for Dest um cuz Dest needed to come off but uh 77th minute was when that finally happened it probably was going to happen 70 or in the lower 70s but play just continued so you couldn't sub somebody on but then Diorena not coming on until the 83rd minute with Josh Sargent and I just I I I felt like You've got five subs. Um, use them. Uh, use them earlier. Um, trust your guys. You've got more quality depth, if you're, especially at the winger position, than you've had in two years. So I'm bummed out that we haven't seen more of Aronson and Reina so far in this tournament. And I think the U.S. might have had a better chance to actually win this game if especially Reina comes on the 60th.
1: That's fair. I'm not... I'm not as big of a critic of it just because I I believed in the players that were on the field. They were tired. Several
0: guys were tired.
1: That's fair. And and, I mean, you know, ultimately, the other team is going to bring on fresh legs and Kara Southgate has been pilloried for his uh, use of substitutions as well, particularly not bringing on Phil Foden. I was listening to BBC Radio 5 Live as I was driving around after having watched the game, and that's all they could talk about for the full you know hour that I was listening. Yeah, they, they got some plot it's in for the U.S., but there's a whole lot of, why isn't Phil Foden playing? So uh, s- subs were a big deal. I mean, I, ultimately, our perspective on substitutions has changed fairly dramatically as a result of there now being five in the game, but... Even understanding energy and understanding, you've got to give it a go against Iran on Tuesday. I, I, I don't think I, I think their performances and you know Reina and Sargent had eleven minutes, which isn't a ton of time, and more and Aronson had about twenty minutes. I, I don't think they impacted the game very much, and so I'm not going to give the chance. That's fair, but you know ultimately when they were out there and, and, and they were mostly in a defensive shape, the game was sort of in a defensive shape from sort of the 70th minute on. Um, I, I'm not as, I'm not as big of a critic. I I don't think that it was as big of an issue, not bringing those guys on earlier. Cause I thought the start, I, I honestly don't think you can go through the 11 and say any one of those guys played poorly or really deserved to be taken off for anything other than fitness reasons.
0: Okay. But they should have been taken off for fitness reasons. They were tired. So, I mean, like you looked out there, Musa was tired, way was tired. Uh, I I would argue that Haji Wright had run his race. And I honestly, this is part of the U S mentality where I I found myself disagreeing with some folks today, which is this idea. Like I felt like this U S team could win the group and to win the group, you needed to win this game. I felt like the U S could win this game. So if you bring Gio Ray on in minute 60 and Brendan Aronson on in minute 60, you have a chance to win the game. And so much of the discussion like after Iran won today between that and the US game starting was like the US shouldn't put out max out their their best pl- lineup and best players because they should save them for the must win game against Iran. And if you buy into that, which I don't, and like that means that you're basically saying we just want second place in the group. Your goal should not be to finish second place in the group. Your goal should be to win the World Cup. And to win the World Cup, it's a lot. It's easier if you win the group because it means you'll have a second place team that you'll, you'll face in the round of 16. Um, and I, I, there's a little bit of me right now that feels like if you put Rain out there in the 60th minute and you put Aaronson out there in the 60th minute, you give yourself a chance to win the group. Didn't happen, and there is a part of me that's frustrated about that. So, I don't know. Maybe am I am I being naive? Am I my over overestimating that this U.S. team by saying I think they could have won the group potentially?
1: No, no, not at all. Especially on on today's evidence, I think on today's evidence, you certainly would would give the U.S. a chance to 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 win this group, and they still they can very by the way. Easily- Right. And they could have very easily won the game today. And if they win the game today, then you win on Tuesday and you're through. So I, I'm I'm with you sort of in that respect. And I was also with you in the build-up to today. I read a lot of those same things from pundits. And and it's funny that you mentioned the nil-nil at Azteca, because remember, that was the build-up to that game. And that was actually in the Sidham camp. And it was funny because we were together in Mexico City and our friend Landon Donovan and ourselves, we went to uh, a lunch that was put together as part of uh, the filming of Good Rivals, now available on Prime Video, <laughs> wherever you get Prime Video. And uh, we, were, we were sitting around having lunch and I was the lone dissenting voice presenting me, well, what if they rested players? And I got yelled at by a variety of, of people and they actually convinced me on that day because I also am today the guy that's like, go beat England. Like it's, and it's not even just the, you know, group strategy elements where I get the strategy of it, which is you play for the win against Iran. Cause ultimately your, your, your goal is to get through. And I understand that, but also like, there's gotta be a certain amount of like, this is our biggest game that we're going to have for a long time. It's the biggest game since they played Belgium in the round of 16 and maybe given the opponent, maybe even bigger, maybe since they played England the last time in 2010, it's that big of an occasion. It's a, national holiday a lot of people who have never watched soccer before watch soccer today for the first time because it's the US against England and so you need to put on you need to put your best foot forward it's a massive occasion it's freaking England don't throw the game away because you want to beat Iran on Tuesday because that's the more strategically pragmatic thing to do i completely dismiss that notion however i i, I also disagree with what you're saying which is that you know reina and bringing on Sargent or bringing on a replacement for Ware or McKenny or whomever is the only way to prove that you're serious about winning. I I also think that you can say, by keeping the players on the pitch, I'm serious about winning because I think those are the players. And, and you can quibble with the logic, but I don't necessarily think that Greg Berhalter wasn't trying to win the game by keeping those players on. I think he'd argue that I was trying to win the game because those eleven players gave me the best chance, even given their physical condition. I'll be you are more of a of in a position of authority to speak on that because I was in the stadium. I couldn't really see the sort of off ball of how players looked tired in certain moments.
0: Yeah, McKenny, Musa, tired, Weo tired. All of those guys played longer than they should have tonight. So good tactics from Greg Berhalter tonight. Bad substitutions from my perspective. Um, could have won the game potentially. Uh, I, I'm frustrated Gio Rans not playing more. Um, and I, I, it's interesting though, you look back to that Mexico game in March and the U S played its best guys. They got a point, And that point in the end was what made the difference between qualifying that week in March and having to go to the intercontinental playoff. So Greg Berhalter got it right in that occasion. And I I just don't understand this sort of overthinking stuff when it comes to don't play your best lineup at a World Cup against England in front of the biggest television audience that the U.S. has probably had in a really long time.
1: Can I ask you a question, though? What's your best theory on Reyna only having played seven minutes plus stoppage time of this World Cup so far?
0: You know, same thing you always say. Remember what Landon would say? R.I.P. Landon Walwitty. That. (laughs) um, Thanks, Fox. Uh, that, um,
1: yeah, I, I, <sighs> we don't have all the context. That was just, we that don't was his have all the phrase. context.
0: We don't have all the context of what's happening in training. We get 15 minutes, the media at the start of training when they're not even doing anything real. And so you don't know. And like, so the point I make, and I've written this is, you know, Greg Werhalter has known Gio Raina since he was a baby. Their families are like extremely close so he doesn't have it out for Gio Reyna. Like, there, like if anything, there would be probably people thinking uh, they're too close. You know what I'm saying? So like there's no way that there's an issue with that. And there, there's something that just hasn't been totally explained because Greg Beralter is basically when asked about it said, coach's decision. <laughs> you know? yeah. and so there, we're, we're lacking information here, but- Rand did come on tonight, short amount of time, hard to get much to say out of it, but he wasn't limping (laughs) or anything like that. So I don't think you're giving him nearly enough time to make an impact. Um, But like only one change in the lineup at all. And that was at center forward, which is sort of interchangeable spinal tap drummers at this point. And (laughs) I mean, I, 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 The more I think about it, the more I, I'm bummed out that Weah has not been tried at that position because I don't think it would even... I think it would be pretty seamless, actually. And I am, I am in the camp of try to get as many of your best guys on the field as possible because you know who they are. In the center forward position, that's not... The people you've had there are not the best players on the field.
1: The one thing that I almost worry for, though, is that the position has been such a black hole for this team that if they put Tim Weah there, he'd get sucked into the black hole and he would then become <laughs> ineffective. Get
0: by association. Right,
1: right, no, it's just, I, I, I don't think that this system functions well for its strikers for whatever reason. And it's funny because we've talked about this before. Greg Berhalter's Columbus crew was incredibly effective for strikers. And so yeah. I'm surprised that this national team just cannot get the best out of those guys. I don't even think it's necessarily their fault. I thought right. You know, whatever positives you want to take. I thought he did a fair bit of dirty work. I thought he was making decent runs in the penalty area to try and get on the right end of crosses. It's a difficult team to get on the right end of crosses against because Stones and McGuire are a very good central defensive duo, or at least they were on this night. And so I, I think Wright was fine. Um, I, I heard as well uh, you, you're, you mentioned want, wanting to get Brendan Aronson on the field more. Uh, I, on, on the aforementioned BBC coverage I was listening to, Rory Smith came on and said he thinks that Brendan Aronson should come on and play False Nine. Uh, either way, it's sort of a be creative about your number nine position because, like you said, they are probably somewhere in the teens to 20s on best players on your roster. And so why not get a Reyna or an Aronson on just so you can have them on the field? I'm sort of more of the mind of national teams still have to be teams, even if they are uh, you know, essentially a collection of your best players, no matter their position. But I, it, it's such a frustration point to see the U.S. be unable to get a striker involved or have them even really be a threat because the threat to me today going forward was Pulisic. And then uh, also, uh, you know, way out to a to a lesser extent. But um, I, it's kind of sad to watch game after game where the U.S. And I think, by the way, I think this fate would have befallen Pepe. It would have befallen Brandon Vasquez. It would have befallen Jordan P. Fuck whoever plays in this system. We, I don't think would have be. We, we we wouldn't have come away going, oh wow, Brandon Vasquez changed everything. I think he also would have fallen into the black hole as well. Just as we
0: wrap up here, I would say I would remind people. The U.S. needs a win in the World Cup against Iran, which also is going to be hyped for this game in the chance to advance in the World Cup. They've never advanced from uh, the group stage of the World Cup. They've just had this hugely emotional win against Wales. They've got a lot of fans here. Um, I got a message from my buddies that I made at uh, from Tehran uh, in our compound here of townhouses. They already flew back to Tehran, but they, they messaged me on Instagram and they're fired up for the game and, um, we're going to keep in touch. But, um, you know, like, so there's, there's a lot at stake here. It's so much history, including soccer history between these two countries. So there's going to be a huge amount of hype in the coming days ahead of USA Iran, um, giant game. And I just want to remind people how hard it is to win games at the World Cup in the history of the U.S. men's national team. It just hasn't happened very often. I mentioned this after the Wales game, just as a point. Like this was a that was a winnable game, um, and so the U.S. has won games at, at the World Cup one in 2014, one in 2010. None in 2006, two in 2002, none in 98, one in 94, none in 90. That's not a lot. And uh, so you get these opportunities very, very rarely. I will say this I feel like this US team is ready to take advantage of the opportunity.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, you sort of sense that mentality about them. That being said, the thing that I sort of fear. Is that the U.S. doesn't really have a route? Um, that's an obvious one to multiple goals in this game. I think this is going to be a razor-thin margin game. We haven't really seen. I mean, we saw the U.S. score a bunch of goals against Panama uh, in their in their penultimate World Cup qualifier, but we haven't really seen them have breakout performances against top-level opposition where they're hitting for three or four, right? And Iran, I think, you know, you basically say go get a nil-nil draw and you get through that's the path that Carlos Quirros is going to choose. So that's yeah. the Iran manager. Uh, and, and, and that's the way that he sort of wants to approach it. So the US, I think is going to want to get a goal early in that game. You don't want to be into that. And, and you sort of wonder, is this 2010 where, you know, you get, you wait until the very last moment or is it 98 where Iran ends you and, and sort of leaves, he sends you home without a win and feeling a little embarrassed as to how that went. And that, you know is sort of the the fear that the US step onto the field with. I don't know if they carry that. Um but you know they haven't they, they didn't go to the last World Cup. They're here in 22 and if I said to you at the beginning of this, it comes down to can you beat Iran? Um I think we would take that. I think neutrals would probably or not neutrals but I guess the casuals would say, well you, they must. They have to they have to beat Iran. Iran? The U.S. is going to make the, the World Cup knockout round because of Iran. Um, underestimate them at your peril, though, because they were dreadful in the first game. They were much better today. They were the better team against Wales, who admittedly were bad. Um, and then the game really changed when they had a player sent off. But Iran were the better team over the course of that very long match. They won the game. Um, but this is the job that faces the U.S. It's, it's never going to be easy. Like you said, winning games at the World Cup is hard, but the U.S., can do this. They are favored to do so, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, and I cannot wait uh, to to watch this game. It's going to be nerve-wracking. However, I think the U.S. is going to be able to get over the line, and I think they'll make the knockout stages of the World Cup.
0: I think so, too. And I also think any of those teams in Group A is beatable in the round of 16. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but Netherlands has been sort of disappointing, actually, to me. Yeah, Actually, Ecuador has been better than I Ecuador's
1: expected. Pro- Ecuador's the team you probably want to face the least out of that group, honestly.
0: You know, so very interesting one there. Thank you, Chris.
1: Can I ask one question before oh. we sign off? Yeah. Who is the one U.S. player you most enjoyed watching today?
0: Um, it, I, 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 Tyler Adams is in the form of his life. Yeah. Um, he just, he does so many things well.
1: Yeah, uh, and I, I honestly, I I wanted that answer because I didn't want to sign off from this podcast without having given a little bit more credit <laughs> to Tyler Adams because he was great. I also want to give shout-outs to the to the the two central defenders, Walker Zimmerman and Tim Rehm, did the hell out of their jobs. Yeah. I love the performance of Matt Turner. I love the performance of Eunice Musa, and I thought Christian Pulisic was very good in being dangerous and lethal, albeit not in the effort towards a goal, but I think he was exactly the kind of threat That you want him to be in a game like this. So, I just wanted to uh, mention a couple more individual performances because I thought they merited it.
0: Very good. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank producer and pundit Chris Whittingham. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. The best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription. See you next time.